Hey, it's Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it's my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes that I can deduce various um, lessons that I've learned along the way, as well as highlight the various things that I talk about and teach and how I'm applying it in my own life. So this past week uh, was an interesting one in, in a number of really good ways. But the theme seems to be like there's a lot of good things all coming together, but they're all happening at the same time. And that's kind of, you know, uh, you don't necessarily get to pick when that happens. You're obviously not going to complain. It's a very high class problem to be having things being greenlit that you've been working on for a long time. You just wish that it wasn't all at the same time because now all of a sudden your workload like triples and so forth. But you know, a very exciting time. So my my friend Khalil, who I work on various projects with, he pitched uh, a show to to a company. It got picked up. In fact, he he pitched two shows and they got picked up. And we shot one of the series this past Friday. We shot ten episodes, and it was very funny. Like it's a very comedic show. It's a very smart show, and it was a great time overall. And so I'm very proud of him. I'm proud of us for filming it. I'm excited to see it out there. And I'll kind of mention what it is once I can and so forth. But yeah, very exciting. Now, the only thing is like, excuse me, we have to rush uh, these episodes out there. Like our, our turnaround time is extremely quick. Uh, he's the one primarily working on this. I might need to step in for a couple of the things. But um but overall, you know, very exciting. Now, this is all in conjunction with me trying to finish and meet a March 2nd deadline for our feature film. In terms of that, uh, this weekend, we got very close to Picture Lock. Uh, Picture Lock, for those of you unaware, is when you essentially, you don't change any of the visuals as far as timing. You know, you might be working on visual effects and graphics and things like that, but the timing doesn't shift. So that way you can get to sound design, music, and so forth, because now the timing of everything is there. And that, that was exciting. You know, uh, we pulled out a lot of stops. Uh, kudos to John Comerford and Courtney Stewart. They came over. They came with notes. And they were very specific. It, it was a lot of nitpicks, some might say, but it actually enhanced performances, sped up certain things. And it's a lot of things that as an audience member, if you watch... And people have, um, you know, a feeling about they can't quite express it. Well, this was us being able to express it and fix it before, you know, obviously putting it out there to the world and them having that feeling. So hopefully this counterbalances what or fixes those things that people might have been like, oh, that's weird or that doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? Now, is it going to be 100% foolproof? Obviously, no movie ultimately is. You know, some certain things are a little bit confusing for some people versus others. You know, so you never know how an audience is going to interpret it, but you always want to put your best foot forward, and that's what we were able to do. And in fact, last week I put out an episode about uh, cutting more story than you're comfortable with. It's the notion of kill your darlings type of thing. And we actually, you know, that's essentially what we were doing. And some of the things we, we found out that we wanted to keep, but I would say like 90% of it, we cut out of the movie and it made it really stronger it made it flow better 
it made certain narratives a lot more digestible and whatnot. So, so it, it was really good. Now, the only downside for me personally, and I know that's a big thing, but it takes the movie to it, it, it cuts the running time down to um, an hour and twenty minutes, which I wanted like an hour and twenty two, twenty three. I don't know. That that just that was the goal in my mind of like this would constitute as a full feature film, and for some reason. I, I know it's like not really a big thing and certainly an hour and 20 minute movie is still a feature film. I, I mean, if you look at like The Little Mermaid and, you know, those types of movies, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, I think is only like 70 minutes. So, you know, it still constitutes as a feature film. There's plenty of amazing movies that are that length that are that are classics but um i don't know <laughs> so it's just my own little gripe about it but that was me you know in terms of cutting the stuff out it, it was me practicing what i preach and ultimately like as much as i would love to have just a little bit lengthier movie i'm not going to do that simply for the length of running time versus the story because the story is ultimately better and you know a couple of things did get cut uh, that I liked in terms of scenes and you know some of them were also like they showcased different uh, production design and so forth but again it didn't serve the story ultimately the actors didn't do a bad job in those moments it just it just had to go now there were a couple of things that um, from a character perspective we also like sometimes we you know a scene would ha be happening and a character would say something in the middle and then the scene would kind of continue in and on something else. Well, we actually switched it to help the performances of not only the actors, but also by having, story-wise, having that sort of dialogue at the end, you know, was a lot more hard-hitting than having it get lost in the middle. So we were able to do a couple of those things as well, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it's... it's it's been a fun and interesting process. Now we get to the phase of sound design and music and so forth. Um, I've been kind of lining up these various things as I go along so people are anticipating them. And I owe, you know, various people notes about, you know, like my friend Cody Schramm. He's done some music for it. And I've been promising the poor kid that I'd have notes for him or try it out. And um, it's just one of those things like until I'd rather have the completed story and then focus on that. But he's been doing a wonderful job, and I, I've talked. I think I've talked about him before. He's someone I've worked with since college, and uh, just amazing guy. Very creative. Love him to death. Uh, and so, you know, when you find somebody like that, you know, and I, I, I feel like this of a lot of people in my life, like John Comerford, is one of these people. Like everyone that essentially is working on this movie, like I want to work with them again. Um, and as long as they want to work with me, I, I will continue working with them. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't tap into when they feel like there's a lack of resources. Well, they don't tap into their friends because the, they are resources. Now, I'm not saying that from a narcissistic standpoint, you still have to, you know, provide value to them. It's not just about you taking, taking, taking all these people. I hope and, uh, you know, if they're watching I, you know, I'm telling you now, you call on me and I'll, I'll do whatever I can for you. And I certainly have. And I continue to try to prove that every time that they do something for me. So keep that in mind as you go forward. Um, the other kind of thing, for some reason, that, that I, I'm, I'm seeing and I'm observing 
is a lot of companies and how they're handling employees and so forth. And maybe my mind's just more attuned to this because I've been listening and reading Simon Sinek for for more extensively now. And he he's someone that talks about kind of a next wave of culture about, you know, capitalism uh, being capitalism only working when we actually care about individuals and the employees because, you know, by doing that, it'll actually make a company more successful and so forth. So this is kind of line of thinking. And I'm just seeing a lot of companies go about it in the completely wrong way, you know, where last minute they're firing people uh, for budget cuts and budgets are a, they're like an easy way to just to, to see a result, right? It's a lot harder to change a company's culture and get to where you want to be versus being like, oh, well, we, we, we cut X, Y, and Z, and so we're on track financially. So that's number one. Also, I'm just kind of baffled by some of these companies, you know, having the foresight, you know, to one of the reasons why, like, firing people sort of day of or like last minute with no real heads up is annoying because that that means like you had no foresight. It's like you woke up one day and you're like, oh, we're doing terribly financially. We got to fix this right away. It's like, no, you got to that place over an extended period of time. So it, and generally it's decisions made by management that got you to this place and you're not admitting those. Now you're putting it on the employees. And, you know, again, not that, that this is necessarily every company, but um, just in, in seeing this around me and, and knowing some of this stuff that in my sort of circle of, of, of the people that I know and, and just kind of being in the entertainment space, the things that I see is um, they're not the people's fault and they're not, um, I don't know, they're just not being treated in the best way. And it's one of those things like people say, well, it's just kind of standard business practice. Well, it doesn't have to be your standard way of operating. And that's what kind of irks me. Like, you know, all these people that say like, oh, I, you know, I want to be, I want to be good to my employees and this and that, but that's business, that's uh, standard business practice. It's like, again, it doesn't have to be yours. And, you know, that's where you have to have the real conviction to, to kind of be a true leader. If, if you, you know, walk the walk, so to speak, because so many people say we're the best, we're this. And again, going back to Simon Sinek, these are like, for, for me, trigger words, not in the sense that I get angry, but in the sense like, I'm like, oh, you, you don't know, you're not an actual good leader, you're fucking bullshit. Because there is no best, based on whose who's standard, the, the, the goal of any company is to continue being in business. So there is no like being the best or an end game, it's just continuing, right? And as he says, you need a just cause in order to kind of get everyone on board and a lot of companies, they don't necessarily have that and so forth. So I don't know, uh, I'm just been studying business uh for for a little bit more concentrated in the past like year and a half two years and you know these are some of the takeaways and you know the other kind of thing of it being is that i you know i i feel like too many people pride themselves on the process or the brand or so forth versus Again, just their employees generally, you know, and when, when, you know, and in sort of the world that I'm in, the employees are generally talent or producers and so forth. And, you know, grant, especially if they're talent, you know, too many people I see like, oh, well, we could just replace them. Everyone's replaceable. And, and it's like, yeah, everyone's replaceable. 
But you also need to go about it the right way to handle that because especially if it's front-facing and there's an audience there, they're going to be a little bit irked over how things and happened. You know, I mean, it's just very interesting watching this. Like, you can go back to when Defy shut down at this point, what, a year and change ago? Like, just over a year, pretty much. Um, you know, fans took that... Well, fans reacted to that in a big way. They were, they were affected, you know. The shows that they loved were affected. Uh, Collider has been going through this. And there's other companies that I can't name that are going through similar situations. And it'll be... I'm, I'm curious to see how it all unfolds. Um, and it's just one of those things. Like, I wish people had a little bit more hubris and humility in... in in this type of situation to just say like, this is what we're going through. And, and rather than like, this is what we need to do. I don't know. It's just, I think there's a, you know, I get it. Uh, you know, uh, you, uh, for a lot of these people, like their tails in between their legs and they got to figure out a solution. But, um, but coming about solutions from a place of fear is definitely not going to solve that. And, you know, finances are a problem and a struggle for every content creator, you know? So just because like, you know, you're a big company doesn't mean that you don't have those problems. So those are kind of things I'm trying to think of, you know, I'm trying to reflect back on my week. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of little things that add up to a lot in the sense that, you know, it's not like if I laid it all out, it was all that exciting in terms of for me, but it was just, you know, work, continuing to work on the movie, continuing to work on my book, continuing my job, um, working with my friend Khalil on, you know, his stuff and, and whatever else. And then, you know, a couple of my friends, you know, they're always calling me for advice and so forth. And I'm always happy to give it. So, you know, that's kind of in a nutshell, my week, it, you know, when you say it like that it doesn't sound very glamorous, but in the end, it kind of adds up to a lot. Um, for some reason, right now, like, people are viewing this time as like a very negative and bad one. One, because of, you know, I don't people have been hit by the Kobe death very hard. And that might just be because I live in L.A., so I'm much more attuned to it um, than perhaps, like, other places might might be affected. But there's also other stuff. And so, I don't know, I, I feel like people think, like, January was a tough month and 2020 is, like, a tough year. And I get it, you know, but... The more I read, you know, uh, I just kind of keep reminding myself, like, the world's not out to necessarily get you. It's just it's just what happens in life. There's going to be ups and downs. And it goes back to stoic principles of, you know, this is kind of the way it is. And it's you don't really control what happens in life, but you control how you react to it. And, you know, one of the other interesting things is I made a big – I made a choice in my um, – as part of my New Year's resolution to to really humble myself and get down to, you know, just doing the work, doing the work. That includes, like, putting out content every single day at scale. And the reason part, and that's on top of all this other stuff. And so, you know, unless something really drastic were to happen, like, I'm, I'm, I'm committing to this no matter what. And, you know, one of the things that I see is that I feel like a various people that I know 
get to a certain place and they feel like they don't have to do some of the stuff that got them there. Now, there's always going to be a shift. You you know, not everything that you used to do is going to benefit you at a certain point. But certainly your work ethic is something that should remain constant. The the how of how, how you work might change, but but the, the work ethic should remain the same. And you know, um, when I talk about kind of companies and what I'm seeing, there's people that I know that I think got a little too complacent because, you know, they, they found success and so forth. And now all of a sudden they're in trouble, but, but it's because they weren't willing to work hard anymore. You know, they thought they made it and they could coast. Uh, it's kind of interesting, like, you know, uh, Bar Rescue, which is Don Taffer show over on um on um, Paramount Network, you know, one of the things, there's been plenty of examples of bars that he's rescued that were successful, but then the owner, after, you know, a couple of years, he starts taking taking a back seat, letting other people lead, and then things, things go downhill. And I, I think that happens more often than we'd like to admit. And so that's something that I'm trying to keep top of mind for me to not get complacent with certain things. Now, interestingly enough, I was having a conversation with um, with two of my friends uh, at this point, maybe a week or uh, two weeks ago, I think. And one of my friends was like, well, I just feel like, you know, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, what should I be doing next? What should I be doing next? And, and um, I kind of turned to one of my other friends and said, you know, let me know if you disagree. But I think I think the key here is to continue to do what you're doing, but the problem that I'm hearing in your voice is that it sounds like right now you feel like you should be doing other things and you're starting to like half-ass this. You need to continue with that same vigorousness moving forward with, with the things that you're doing and not looking for the next, next thing. You know, if it comes, it comes, but like right now you've got X, Y, and Z, like you're good. You just got to continue, you know, pounding the stone uh, over and over, you know, and sometimes like more of the same is not a bad thing. So, you know, and, but, and so like, that's why I do get weary of, of words like what's next, what's next. It's like, cause it, to me, it just sounds like you're getting bored of a certain thing. Um, so these are just kind of a couple of the observations, um, that I've seen that I'm thinking about. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know it's very, these vlogs of mine tend to get kind of a little bit philosophical, maybe esoteric. Sometimes I don't even come to a conclusion on some of these things, but you know, this is, I want you guys to know how I process certain information and what's on top of my mind. And these are the things that are top of my mind, you know, kind of going forward. Um, also kind of one of the other things that I'll share you know, uh, one of my friends, he was telling me like, you know, he's only got three more years, uh, in order to make it. I'm like, by whose definition? He's like, well, I'm getting older and people want you, but it's young, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Hey, those are very limiting beliefs. Uh, you know, you don't know that for a fact. And you know, there's plenty of older hosts out there that are still quite successful. And okay. So let's just say that, you know, uh, that, that you're not for the young crowd. Well, guess what? You know, like people are getting older and they're living longer. So like, you know, I told him like, don't you think that if you just got, 
if your core audience was like 50 plus or even 70 plus, that, that, that wouldn't be a lot of audience. And, you know, people just need to redefine success for themselves. And I think like, I don't know, we, especially as Americans, have a very skewed idea of what success is. And I no longer look at that. I look at like, you know, what makes me ultimately happy? And sure, you can't be happy every single day. But I think that we just put too much pressure on ourselves and like, you know, based on the notion of money and finances, people could be very successful. But I also know a lot of people that are unhappy that have like millions, if not billions. Um, you know, Jim Carrey, he has a very good quote that he says, you know, I wish everyone could be a, a millionaire for a day so they could realize that this is not the key to happiness. Um, you know, um, so just something to think about and and whatever else. So, you know, and the other kind of thing being of it, you know, last week I post a lot of about like uh, negative visualization, which is kind of a process for taking your negative thoughts and instead of like letting them control your life, you know, really kind of take, take, taking ownership over it. And, you know, if, if you're worried about like, well, what if I lose my job? Okay, well, consider that. What are the true ramifications of if you lost your job, you know, and really go through it. And so, because part of the problem is our brain then, without giving it an answer, our brain defaults to the world's going to end. And, you know, even that line of thinking, I was like, say, okay, so if you lose your job, the world's going to end. Well, what's the matter if you lose your job because the world's going to end and then you're dead, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I like to laugh off the kind of absurd notions right off the bat, but okay. You know, um, I, and I understand this. This is a very hard thing, but like. You know, okay, so you can't pay your bills. Well, okay. So now, instead of worrying about that, you can't pay your bills. What are ways you could pay your bills? That might be downsizing, tapping into your savings, um, taking a job that as an intermediary that you might need to do in order to pay your bills, right? Um, I think a lot of people spend too much time and worry instead of doing something. And Gary Vee talks about this a lot. It's like, what other option you got? And it sounds very cynical to some people and very harsh, but it's like, yeah, what other option you got? You know, um, we all got to find a way to survive ultimately. And, you know, sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and get to it um, no matter what situation you're in. But, um, but vi negative visualization can help refocus that, that energy. And instead of worrying about something, it, it can start to create solutions. So um, I'll leave you with that. Hopefully you got various takeaway from this. Please let me know um, what you did because I'd be curious to know. Also, if there's any questions that you have or any lessons that you'd like me to teach moving forward, by all means, I am happy to do so. Just uh, leave a comment or hit me up on social media at PhilSvitek. Truly, truly appreciate you uh, checking in with me, uh, seeing what my journey is all about, and um, I hope to see you next time.